0: Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor.
1: Hey everyone, this is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at the PopBreak.com. I am here with my co-host, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt. Hi, everyone. We're here for another episode of the Way Too Early Oscar podcast, the individual uh, category episodes for the 2021 slate of films. Um, Today we're doing screenplays, both original and adapted. Um, Let's start with the original stuff. Um, Nominees are uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, uh, Adam McKay and David Sirota for Don't Look Up, Zach Balin for King Richard, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza and uh, Eskil Vogt and Joachim von Trier or Joachim Trier for the uh, worst person in the world. Um, OK, let's uh, as as King Richard's biggest defender, why don't you talk about it?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I love this movie. I said it before. Uh, I I understand that people are like, oh, well, it's just like. A sports bio, a standard sports biopic, or whatever. And, like, I guess, but I also would argue that, like, a Venus and Serena movie was inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're two of the most famous athletes of all time. Uh, I think, well, it wouldn't be one of my go to picks for original screenplay this year. What Zach Valen does in telling their story and choosing how to focus it and, like, what period of their life to focus on, yeah. I think is really an interesting choice in terms of writing one of these quote-unquote standard sport biopics. And, like, you know, is it the most stunning screenplay of the year? No, but it, like, exactly does its job. And um, I can't, you know, get angry about this nomination because, A, it's honestly second or third best in this lineup, to be honest. And um, <laughs> and uh, be like, you know, I think it's just in terms of what an Oscar picture, the, our version of an Oscar picture is evolving because mm. the the crop of films that have been nominated and um, win have changed so much in the past few years because of what Hollywood is making these days. If this is what like a, a Hollywood Oscar picture is it's a very good execution of it and i'm just i can't get worked up about it i i just i think so i you know i'm not going to defend the screen i'm not going to like celebrate the screenplay as much as i did the editing or the score or the acting here but i do think um it's a fine screenplay it does its job
1: i think the best thing about it in terms of the writing specifically is the the last act because sports movies always end the same way this glorious moment of triumph right Mm -hmm. And this is doing something more complex emotionally and character wise that I vaguely knew of but was surprised that it was going in that direction. And it's really satisfying as an ending for this film that's otherwise really fast paced and sort of about this like hype man-ness of it. And it emphasizes the right thing, which is this sort of like uh, this guy is single minded in making sure his kids... Become the two greatest pa- t- tennis players of all time, basically. um But also, um h- his core point is always about um your well being is and mental health is the most important thing. And and like the family and the encouragement is the most important thing. Rather than I'm never gonna eat, scream at my kids like these other parents basically. um So yeah, I think as a biopic, it's a Hollywood biopic. It's absolutely like. You're right. The most traditional Oscar movie of the group, but does still does interesting stuff with it and shouldn't be dismissed as much as it's being for for what because w- what it does is really interesting.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I just think people are so dismissive of this movie in a way that is like, I think we'll age poorly because I just think in 10 years, we're, go- we're not going to get as many movies like this. And I think we will all. Miss that in the same way we yeah. we miss the rom com now and
1: things like that. A hundred percent, yeah. There's something comforting in it, and it's so well made. Um, I'll talk about. Don't look up. Uh, Adam McKay, and David Sirota. Interesting to commend the writing of this film, which is wildly incoherent to me. Um, listen, the Academy loves Adam McKay for some reason. Um, his brand of smug. Uh you know, um, smug, like liberal, uh, Hollywood politics seems to really speak to the Academy. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think this film is, there's not a lot that's good about Don't Look Up, which, you know, I think by the time you're listening to this podcast or, or you know, if you've listened to any of these episodes, um, but this one in particular feels a little, uh, the baffling of all the things, you know, editing, I understand because it's so over edited or even picture I could see. Do you know what I mean? Because it's got this sort of um, it makes the Academy feel good about themselves to be like nominating an issue picture, as it were, even if it's a dumb issue picture that doesn't say anything particularly um interesting. But, yeah, writing, I don't get. I don't get, because uh, his, his more recent, his other recent work, I could, I could see because there's a more coherent narrative and, um, some character work, but this has very little of any of that. Um, these are uh, like Leo, Leo's character and Jennifer Lawrence's character go on arcs, but they're such cliche caricature arcs that it's, there's really not enough there. I I, I mean, this is a big old sure to me. Why not?
0: Yeah. Oh god. A big old Shore is a very good way of summing it up because I I just you know at least with the the big short which I like more than most I guess and then um um vice at the very least like adapting nonfiction books and like there is a skill to that whether or not you know it's totally 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 successful like this is just such a it's such a silly. Broad comedy disguised as something like in- intelligent. And um, I keep seeing people compare the film to like Doctor Strangelove or Network or things no. like that. And I, I'm no. just like, no. I'm like, no. It, it's the closest.
1: Those are t- 10 t- times the satire this is. This isn't, not one line of this is intelligent as even the, the whole of this movie is not as intelligent as it even one line of either of those films.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like, this is, like, Twitter threads not allowed by characters, basically. Like, it's yeah. it's so maddening to see this, like, you know. The closest comparison I could have with something is that... You know the newsroom that uh, the Aaron Sorkin show? Oh, boy, um, do I. Yeah, like, which we used to, like, hate-watch in my journalism program um, in college and everything. Like the the stupid speech she gives in the first episode about like what's wrong with america where i'm like we're mistaking like interesting things to consider with like dialogue <laughs> like it's like no one sounds like this and just because you are either like being made aware of something which i'm which in don't don't look up's case i don't think anybody watching it is being made aware of something yeah. or um you know, or if you're feeling like patted on the back, I'm for like you know, well, you know about these issues, so pat yourself on the back for knowing about it and not being one of the people who's ignoring it. It's like, okay, there are more interesting films out there that will actually like perhaps challenge you to think a little bit more or even become more involved or something like that. And I just think this is lazy. It has that one great ongoing joke about the snacks that you know. <laughs> Adam McKay's best writing since the other guys, but, um, well, you know, I, I, I remember being very nervous at the time, like, oh shit, is he going to win for this? And I'm happy it wasn't going he's he's going to win for this because I, I was not, I did not want that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be, cause can you, his speech would be unbearable. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Um, tell the people about it.
0: Yeah, um, uh, I'm trying to, did we talk about the actually so much? I guess we haven't recorded our director episode yet. Uh, this movie has not, does not show up in many categories as I think people kind of expected it to, but, um, but, um, you know, I am a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I think with his films, they kind of fall in one of two categories for me of, like, it's screenplay forward or it's uh, direction forward in terms of where his skill is most apparent. And um, despite the fact that this movie has many scenes that I think are very funny and cleverly written, um, this is more of a direction forward Paul movie for me in terms of like what is um, where his strengths are lying. And I'll save my thoughts on the direction for when we get to that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think the script is fine. I think it has, it's it's episodic to a fault in that yeah. like, um, you know, it has this ending that um. I think what he is trying to say in the final uh, let's give or take ten minutes or so, um, what he's trying to say about like, uh, not wanting to grow up essentially and not wanting to acknowledge the hardships of the world is an interesting thing. I don't know if the movie focuses on that enough throughout the whole runtime to fully sell that, that through line. And then because it is so episodic, there are some episodes that are far, far stronger than others and things like that. So, like, you know, I don't think it's really a bad screenplay. Um, And I, I get the nomination. And she just picked up the BAFTA. Um, uh, we're recording on Monday, so I guess this was yesterday. And... um. I would not be shocked to see if him get his first Oscar for screenplay here and everything. And I wouldn't hate it because I do like him a lot, and I'd like him to have an Oscar. But um, it is not, you know, one of the standout screenplays of the year for me, um, to be honest, even though I I, I like the film more or less.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope he doesn't win just because of the Asian jokes in it, honestly. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, yeah, which it's I,
1: obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's unpl- you know, I'm I'm sitting there being. <sighs> it's just a weird time to do it. You know what I mean? There's so much mm-hmm. discussion of AI, AI, like IP hate. It's like uh, API hate. It's like, okay, yeah, let's include that. Sure, it's not even mm-hmm. funny and it doesn't work in it. Great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's an interesting, actually, w- thing to talk about, w- discussion to have when it's um like uh, compared with director, if you would, um, because I can't tell if the pacing is bad because of the writing or the direction, because I don't think there is any pacing in this. It's you're right. It's too episodic. I, I never, I don't like this film as I've probably, you've probably heard on this podcast before. Um, Cause I don't think it, it's going anywhere or particularly has anything fun to say. Like, you know, sure. Like, if PTA wants to do 70s L.A. pastiche, fine. But, you know, I think Hollywood, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did it better. So what's the point of this? Um, it, it, I don't know. I think it's not very, it's just not a very compelling film. I didn't find, I truly, if it didn't keep getting talked about and people weren't acting like it was great, I, I don't think I would ever remember it. In 10 years from now, I won't even remember it. I really won't. Other than Alanaheim. Um Who's a, yeah, in, a lot of
0: times is the reason to remember it. If yeah, anything.
1: a fucking star. Um, you know everything else about it, deeply forgettable. I I just don't think there's anything there. Uh, Discreet scenes are funny. I think the the best scene is the the truck thing. Um, mm-hmm. but like, what else is keeping me around? It just felt so like indulgent in a way that didn't make me feel invited to the party in any way. So like, you know, um. Uh, TTA gets to do a vanity project every once in a while, I guess. I mean, his other stuff is more interesting. Um, and I don't even like a lot of his other stuff necessarily <laughs> as much as, uh, as most people. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's uh, I think this is such a minor work. I can't, I don't really know w- why it's nominated for anything other than it, it should have been a lot. The only nomination should have gotten would, gotten, would have been for Alana Heim and that didn't even happen. And so I don't know what's here. Um, Let's go to Belfast, a movie you guys know I hate at this point. <laughs> if you listen to these, uh, you know you can still, if, if you haven't by this point, you can read re- re- my review on the site where I'm uh, nice to it as much as I can be. Although um, I will say, I mean, as a piece of narrative, I, I think it's not a bad script. Um, the emotion, I think it's the really the the the, the way he's presenting it as a director and a more than the the screenplay. I think it, it, the screenplay in somebody else's hands might have been um, a little more engaging to me and a little less corny, um, but he, his nostalgia so suffuses um, the film itself that I think whatever good script there is here it probably suffers because of it, frankly. Um, you know, I, there was a time when I thought Belfast might win the whole thing. Um, I think it's losing steam on that point, but I wouldn't be surprised if this were his win, you know. Mm. I think the film is well liked enough that I think it's going to win something. Um and this would be a good a good thing for it to win. What are your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, at this point the the screenplay that I think is easily the best of the category I don't think is going to win. I think the nomination was the prize for it and um yeah. if Belfast is going to win something in a honestly a weak original screenplay year like this, I'm like sure. Like <laughs> like let the Grana have his moment to, you know, give a nice speech. And it's, it's you know, like like the the film as a whole, I don't think anything about it is particularly special or worth writing home about, it, except for how handsome Jimmy Doran is in it. And, um, like, but it's not bad. Like, I don't think the screenplay is bad. I think it's just kind of, like, yeah. minor and fine. And I, Kenneth seems fine, I guess. So it's like, if, if if he's been canceled, sorry, I didn't know. But, um... <laughs> well, by
1: the time this releases, who knows? I mean, <laughs> yeah. But... It, that's some someone we both on Twitter mentioned uh, Winter Mitchell. You know, like uh, fucking fucking Jane Campion uh, milkshake ducked herself within twenty four less than twenty four hours. Girl, it was brutal.
0: Like, that was. I checked my phone and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> I was like, No, <laughs> yeah, brutal. But um, you know. It, if Kenneth Branagh is gonna win an Oscar, sure. This I'd rather him get this than director. So, <laughs>
1: fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that, like I said a second ago, I think the directing is the problem. Um. All right. The final screenplay in the category is, uh, for worst person in the world. Um. This is probably. I think this is the first chance we're getting to talk about it on the podcast, and and possibly the first time anybody's getting us to hear us talk about it. So, what are your thoughts on the film generally, and then um, you know, as as a nominee here?
0: Oh, it's one of my favorites of the year. Um, I saw it at New York Film Festival, and I haven't gotten the chance to see it again in theaters um, yet. But um, mainly because I want to take people to go see it, and it's just like hard to coordinate that group movie trips anymore. But um, but I, um, I I love it so much. I think I've said this to people as, as like a way to try to get them to see it, and it's like for me, it feels like Lady Bird in her. Late twenties, early thirties, essentially, and um, just like in the same way that that Lady Bird felt like a really smart snapshot of like, not necessarily like my life, but like the the life of people around me, and like a movie that people from like you know our generation can relate to. I think this movie, I'm like, this is one of the most accurate depictions I've ever seen of what like being a millennial in your late twenties is like, honestly, and to do it in this way that like as a title is like, su- suggesting the way we just take on so much like self-hatred about our choices, but like to explore choices we make as adult adulthood and not judge us about them and just kind of paint this really, really interesting look at adulthood. I think it's beautiful. And um, I was thrilled to see the, the scrambling nomination because honestly, uh, it is a very well-directed film, very well-acted. This is one of the best screenplays, I think, uh, in recent memory, original screenplays in recent memory. And I um, I love it. I was thrilled to see it on here. I think it is – the writing is so instrumental to it. And, um, you know, ex- excellent work, I think, all around.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, <clears throat> a really good screenplay. Uh, it, the structure – it has more structure than any of the other nominees in this category simply because it's told in chapters, right? Um, but it also is just a really good screenplay. I, it, the characterization is smart. The, um, the picture it's painting of this person is really smart. I mean, like so many things have tried to be this sort of like, um, summation of the millennial experience, let's say. Right. Um, and a lot of them can feel condescending and a lot of them can feel too specific, but this does feel specific, but also in a way that does feel like so many people, you know, you know um and like it had me just from the first couple minutes where she keeps switching her major (laughs) 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 which I didn't do but like you know it's it's so it's so much about her character and so much about like the aimlessness of uh, the gen this generation and like um also the difference like I think the other one of the other really brilliant moments in the early part of it is um Scene where it keeps going back through the generations of her family and being like, when her grandmother was 20, when her mother was 21, she was already married and had had already had her and already divorced, um, by and like working uh, like two jobs or something like that. And then it goes back like five or six generations, and like one of them was just like, um, her great 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 grandmother did not make it to 30 because the life expectancy for women then was 35, so she was already dead. <laughs> so, like. I don't know. I I I was. I think the script is really good, and considering you know um, a man is involved, <laughs> I have to be mm-hmm. impressed. <laughs> I would say because like it can a lot of a lot of dudes I think have tried to write um, uh, scripts about millennial women, and they've off they a lot of them have failed. A lot of them have failed. Um, yeah,
0: I, I'm so impressed just that he didn't fail. To be honest, yeah, absolutely. Like,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely, wow. <laughs> yeah, absol- absolutely. Um, but, uh, so what do you think is going to win at this point? We sort of talked about it a little bit, I guess, but what's your final, uh, assessment?
0: I was leaning towards Belfast for a while. I, the, Paul Thomas Anderson getting the BAFTA did Mm -hmm. sort of shake me up and I'm like, oh, maybe it'll be him, but I would not be shocked if it's Belfast, just because it feels like for a very long time that was the best picture front runner. Mm-hmm. There still is a passion for it because it showed up multiple places. It feels like the easiest way to honor the film without knocking out either of the other front runners, Power of the Dog or Coda. So, um, yeah, I think that to me is the most obvious, uh, you know, front runner. But I wouldn't be shocked if PTA pulled it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I th- I think. Yeah, the BAFTA has shifted things. And we're we're recording this before the WGA, WGA so maybe that'll change once, once those um those are mm-hmm. decided, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was um PTA pulls pulls a surprise win. Um cuz that's often where in the last couple of years they've given um awards to something that they really like but don't fit into another category, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I do kinda of think it's gonna be real fast. That's my pick for now. You know, maybe it'll change once we see the WGAs. Um Okay. So um I only have one um alternate. How many do you have? I've got uh, two and a half,
0: basically.
1: <laughs> okay. Why don't you, why don't you start with one and then I'll I'll do mine. Yeah, I will uh
0: you know, this is not a surprise anymore. Um, Barb and Star going to be Delmar. It is Barb
1: and Star Baby. Christy and Annie like, Mumolo.
0: The number of jokes per minute in that film is just outstanding. And I'm sure some of them were improvised, but like some of them were also very clearly written into that script. And it is just the number of laughs per minute in that movie is unparalleled, I think, to any recent comedy. Um, and the fact that like if I was trying to quote it with friends, we could realistically do it for like an hour. Is you know just a testament to how well done that script is. I I love that movie so much. Um, yeah. It, again, it was ineligible, but I would love to have seen it.
1: <laughs> it like l- legitimately. Uh, it, it's so joke dense. It reminded me of watching the first Austin Powers movie. It's like nothing has hit this hard in so long and been so fucking funny, and mm-hmm. it just is so. Fucking good. Like I don't care. Like again, you're like you said. I don't care that it's not eligible. It should have been, and it should be sweeping the entire fucking year. <laughs> mm-hmm. It should yeah. be winning everything. Um, like you're right about the improv versus um written stuff because we've been stuck in this comedy world, movie world for so long where everything is improv and it's, it just goes on and on and on and fucking on. It's this Judd Apatow style, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought the Trish stuff was improv the first time that when they're doing it on the plane, you know, I thought they were just <laughs> spitballing. And then oh, that, then that fucking storyline comes back and you realize the whole thing has been written and they planned it from the beginning. Masterpiece shit, masterpiece. Like it, it should, it's so fucking good. The Trish stuff, the culottes. God, damn, I will never stop talking about talking club because it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> just like such a brilliant send up and like the best thing about that movie with the writing for me is that it's making fun of a certain group of people but in a way that is utterly loving it is never mean to those girls it Mm -hmm. it has such affection for barb and star and everyone in it and so much of comedy for so long has been like nasty in a way that's like tired now And part of what makes that movie so refreshing is how much open affection it has for everything it's doing. What a thrill.
0: It's such a thrill. I think of the scene that my boyfriend and I always talk about, we love, when they're driving the submarine to um, (laughs) uh, Domar, Risa Domar, and... The little boy is like he's he the way he's I know what you're um, gonna say <laughs> yeah the way he's doing it the way he's doing it is so weird and my boyfriend it, like every time I just think like <laughs> what and then over the walkie talkie like and I remember no big w- wheel movements just little tiny ones over, over <laughs> and it's so it's so funny like. Because they're also making
1: I'm... fun of the way people do that in movies. Like yeah. you always see people like slowly rocking it back and forth. They're like, that's how you drive. It's so funny.
0: It is a perfect comedy. <laughs> and I I just I will never get tired of it. It is, it is a it is an incredible film.
1: Ah, oh, what a blessing. All right. Yeah, that was my only one, so you you're, you have the floor from now on.
0: Okay. I only have two that I really want to flag that um we haven't had a chance to talk about. Elsewhere, and um, one is Nicole Beckwith's screenplay for Together Together, mm. which um, I saw at Sundance Film Festival last year, 2021, and um, I bought the ticket on the on a whim because uh, it was on my last day of screenings, and it, the film I saw before was um, Passing, which is great, oh. but very heavy, and I was just like, I don't want to end on a heavy note for the festival uh this is pre-vaccine i was like desperate for something happy (laughs) so i um i was like whatever this will probably be aimless and fluffy but it'll be fun and i think it's like it is so much smarter than i would have ever expected with the plot going i think this is the film for those who don't know about ed helms playing A single man in his 40s who wants to have a kid. He hires a woman played by Patty Harrison to um, to be a surrogate, and they become just like friends. It's purely like a like a friendship rom com. Like there's no romantic tension between them whatsoever. It is never suggested that like there might be romance down down the line for them. It is purely a movie about like their friendship, and um it is really sweet and surprising, um and just like very very funny. And I like when the original screenplay category specifically can, like, like when a little indie film basically sneaks in there. And this is one where it, it never had the chance because it got a very early spring release. But I would have liked to have seen uh, Bleecker Street try to promote it a little bit more and get in there. Because I just think it's a very smart uh, screenplay. Yeah, and, yeah, I like, um, that, I like that film
1: a lot. I, I, w- I wish there was one more scene at the end, but it is mm-hmm. b- beautifully written. And, and unlike so, so many things that you see, it would have been wonderful to see something like that. It would have been such a, like, a um, unexpected smart choice.
0: Exactly. And um, the other one, which I'm surprised, honestly, this shoot, uh, this is an IFC film coming up. So like, I guess, I don't know what their marketing muscles really behind this year, but um, Mia Hansen love script for Bergman Islands, oh. uh, which, um, uh, you know, is very much like a screenplay for a movie people. Cause it's you know, about <laughs> these two, uh, a married couple, um, who are both filmmakers uh, on an island. They're played by Tim Roth and um, uh, Vicky Creeps, and um, they are, you know, on vacation together on the island where uh, Bergerman was was um, was from, and kind of going on a tour of like all of his films, like in the island. And it, it's about them processing their own feelings on like what movies are for, um, and like what they want out of cinema and storytelling, and then um. You know, halfway through the film, Vicky Creeps' character starts talking about her screenplay she's working on, uh, with her, um, like to her husband. And we get like a film within a film about um Mia Wasaches Was- 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 <Seska>, um, is like who's like the lead character in um this movie within a movie. And it's like just very compelling, very clever, and I think, you know, honestly, in like, as like an exploration of like Author theory essentially and like how we can process uh films that are like you know canonical uh masterpieces essentially d- how how we can uh interpret them differently is i think a really fascinating film to like think about in this day and age and like i can see this is not being for everybody but um i really really responded to it well and i think uh it is very much accessible because of the screenplay so i would like to have seen it get uh, some attention, but I just think IFC Films is, you know, they, they need big contenders in order to get into Oscar races, basically.
1: Yeah. That finally just hit Hulu, so I have to watch it, but uh, I'm excited for it.
0: It's very, very good. Uh,
1: that, is that is that your last one, or you have more? That's it, that's it. Okay. Alright, um, let's move on then to the Adapted Screenplay category. Um, the <clears throat> The nominees are uh Sion Heder for uh Coda, uh Ryosuke Hamaguchi and Takahamasa Oe for Drive My Car, uh John Spates and Denny Villeneuve and Eric Roth for Dune, uh Maggie Gyllenhaal for The Lost Daughter and Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. Um Let's talk about The Lost Daughter. Um Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh I have not read this particular Ferrante novel, but um I have read uh the Neapolitan trilogy I find or um quartet. I finally just finished the fourth one fairly recently. Um and I could not begin <laughs> to to be, to even understand how one would go about adapting those that writing because um there is a relentlessness to the way that uh Ferrante writes. And a and a looming darkness that is bizarrely indefinable but always present. Um, And somehow Gyllenhaal captures that in *The Lost Daughter* in a way that I found like bracing because that's what draws me to those those books and any. And I've also read one other Ferrante non Neapolitan novel, um, and it has the same sort of style. But uh, there's something so frank about them, and also so unnerving and she just gets it and I I can't imagine how difficult that would be especially having to write three compelling parts for three great actresses <laughs> and then like create this story and contend with motherhood and the the good things about it and the dark things about it in this one film it's it's like unbelievable that this is her f- first like her you know this is the first time Maggie Gyllenhaal has directed a feature because it just feels like it's so it's so so assured it's such a good screenplay I, I would i would love if it won i don't think it will i i th- i think the the nomination is the is the is the prize here for that film um but you know and it's possibly because i haven't read any of the um the other uh like original works for the um the other uh, things in this category nominees in this category but it just seems like the hardest job for me uh, what are your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I um, I never thought about it as, like, you know, an act of adapting Ferrante. Um, I have not read a Ferrante yet. Uh, hidden secret of people who work in publishing, you don't read once. You actually, you get into publishing because you love books, that you never read another book ever again. But, um, you know, she's one of the most, like, uh, you know, significant, Writers of adult fiction working today, basically, and um, uh, I think it's very impressive, especially considering that Magdalene Hall, this is her debut, um, that she was able to write a screenplay and direct a film, just so confidently and brilliantly, and it's so distinct already, and uh, her 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 vision. And I I think what I find most impressive in that in my recommending the film to people is, um, you know, you want you want to call it a thriller of sort because the <laughs> genre vibe is a thriller. But, like, if you talk about the plot of film, it, it really, like, not much is happening yeah. to make it... Like, w- the fact that they're, we're able to mine such high-stakes drama out of relatively mundane life events is a fascinating asset to the film. And I don't <laughs> know if that's so much... Peter you know, that very well might be on the page to begin with, but
1: No, it, it is. It yeah. it is, it absolutely is. But I like I was saying, I think that would be so hard to translate, and yet she does it. It's it's incredible. Yeah.
0: It's really well done. Uh a great film. Like, you know, one of the most impressive debuts in recent memory, I think.
1: Yeah, it's 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 incredible work. Um okay, let's talk about uh let's do I mean I think we just have to rip the Band-Aid off on this one. Uh, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. Um y- you you are this movie's uh, like big fan in this podcast. So so what are your what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean um there's the new drama of yeah. Jane Campion this award season which uh you know lots to lots to unpack there but um uh in terms of strictly a screenplay um, I think it's a very impressive screenplay. I think it is, you know, uh, very well written. I I haven't read the original book. Uh, I will say, it is one I I've always had an issue ever since I was like young. I, we're talking like Harry Potter, young. Where if I saw the movie, I like would not want to read the book no matter what. Like it was just you know like I I read Harry. I I saw Harry Potter, uh, in the Chamber of Secrets, and I was like. I want to read the books now. And I remember buying the first two or having my parents buy them. And I was like, well, this is boring three because I've seen the movies already. So I'm just going to start with the third one. And that's always been how I am uh, with reading stuff and everything. And um, uh, Power's Up was one of the first times in a very long time where I was like, I'm vaguely interested in seeing what the book is like because this just feels so distinctly written. Mm. In the way it's... Um, it feels so cinematic to me. Where mm. I'm like, I can't imagine what it's like on the page. <sighs> and I'm curious about it. Um, I think it's a very, very good screenplay. Uh, you, you know, I... Uh, <laughs> her... The the speech at the... I, I believe it was the Critics' Choice Award.
1: Critics' Choice, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I was like... I told my boyfriend about it because we were sitting next to him on the couch. And he was like, why would she say that? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. But um, but you know, uh, it's a bit, you know, upsetting. But um, you know, uh, so I don't know if I'm necessarily like rooting for her to win. This. I actually, I, I, uh, I don't know if I think she's going to win it. Like, just not even talking about the recent comments. Like, in terms of the nominees, I wasn't quite sure if I see. I don't know if I see this being. The win, especially with the way the race itself is shaping up. It's just fascinating to see the way uh you know the what films are front runners at what times and everything. But um you know, I, I I think it would be strictly in terms of what's on the talent on the page, I think it'd be a worthy uh win.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean I think as we're talking right now, uh the power of the dog I think is cresting in its wave, as it were. Um and, and her comments may, uh, you know, dampen that. However, they're also the kind of thing that, um, the Academy wouldn't care about and and like film people would. So (laughs) it may not matter. Um, but I will say, um, you know, I I'm on record as not really liking this film very much. The screenplay is probably the thing I would, it's probably the thing I would at least not, like criticize about it, because um, it seems fine. My problem is more with the the choice and the pacing, which I think is more about directing than it is about um, uh, the writing necessarily, because um, the writing seems fine, um, but it's it's just not my pick. And I wonder, you know, she might have had a good chance uh, if not for the the weird thing, but who knows? Maybe. I don't know. It's a it's a weird it's a weird category. I kind of think if it's a Coda sweep, then Coda's gonna get it. But I mean, we're, we'll we can talk about it later. Um, actually, let's just talk about Coda. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't. I don't. I, like I said, I don't. I I don't know the original um piece that's adapted from. But what what I saw in the film, uh, fantastic stuff. Really good. A really good uh, family drama. Um, and also, um, a movie about. Uh, like disability and also about um, um, following your dreams. Basically, uh, it's a it, you know I, th- there's a weird um, conversation around the movie that like people are just like I don't know dismissing it because it's not this like heavy hitter thing. But this is the kind of shit we see every in couple years of like mm-hmm. it, it's it's the Shakespearean love effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If it's not everybody, if it's not fucking Pulp Fiction film bros don't care about it (laughs) and like I quote it's a totally charming film chill out um so I like this I think the script's good um and it's well acted and well put together um that movie's firing on all cylinders in a in a really soft enjoyable way um yeah I think it's good screenplay what are your thoughts on it yeah
0: um in terms of it's We'll talk about the when we get to the Best Picture episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, f- what is it, five years ago, mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody swept, and then Green Book won Best Picture. Oh. Like, like no- nothing can get that low again. And, <laughs> you know, um, I remember when Belfast was the front runner, being like, look, I don't like it, but, like, it's fine. And mm-hmm. now Dakota's the frontrunner, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. a movie that I actually like. <laughs> and, um and you know, I think, in terms of a screenplay, I think the stuff with um the teacher like and that like that whole subplot of like you know her and her uh choir classes and everything gets a little too indie movie cutesy at points uh mm. in a way that I think sort of detracts from the movie but who cares <laughs> like it's like it's a fine screenplay it is well written um uh, the emotional moments in the film like hack a wallop and everything because i remember uh i haven't watched the film in quite a while but um i remember thinking i'm enjoying this i'm not particularly uh you know totally on board with in love with it in the way that some people are but i'm i get it and then that first scene of them watching her in the um oh, uh, so i guess the assembly or the mm-hmm. show sort of thing um i i like Fully wept, and I was like, Oh, like this is a well done movie. So I'm like, You know, sure, like I, if it, I do kind of think it is picking up theme at exactly the right moment. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Sean Heater is not nominated in director, I think um, mm-hmm. this is just such an easy way to honor her, um, and the film. So I, I would not be shocked if it wins. I think that it makes a lot of sense, especially since Jane Campion is the front runner for director. So yeah. I'm just like. I just think it makes sense for Sean Heater to get it. And, um, you know, I, not a bad win. Again, Green Book One original screenplay. It's like this winning is fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: sorry. There's, as always, sirens um, outside my apartment. I mean, you can't listen to these podcasts without a siren being on and coming from my microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean,. <sighs> Yeah, worst things have won. Come on, <laughs> honestly. And you know what? The I think you're right about um, there probably being a lot of affection for her, um, and her not being in the director category. I mean, like think of the SAG uh, win speech when Marley Matlin was like specifically shouting her out and being like, "Thank you for writing this film and or you know making this film and and giving voice to, to us to this this group of people. We we should be up here more." And that speech was so charming. Um, and everything about that movie is fucking charming. So it would be a great like you know acknowledgement for for her. And and it, truly, I do think if a coda sweep happens, it's it's it would it would happen. Okay. Um, how about uh, why don't you talk about Drive My Car? Um, which I don't know if we talked about yet on the podcast.
0: I don't think so. I might have mentioned it in my New York Film Festival recap, but um, yeah. But uh, I'm fascinated. <laughs> I, I I think the film is very very good. I will say and um it feels like you know i'm one of those people who like will passionately defend things like uh you know a little life like the the 800 page misery porn book that i think is like wonderful or like you know like i have Han- Hana uh uh newest book which is like 700 something pages
1: uh we're talking and, about like, this off air wow we <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, um, i have it on my desk again Publishing people don't read, so I don't know when I will actually read it, but, like, I do have it on my desk, and I'm ready to read it eventually. So I love, like, long epics. I I nearly went to grad school and went severely into debt, debt to study um, Charles Dickens further. Like, I love long, epic novel shit. And um, you'll get that story on uh, our other podcast whenever we get to Great Expectations. <laughs> but, um, but. Uh, you know, so I love to my car It is just, like, pure popcorn cinema To me, honestly I'm like, oh, wait The title shows up 45 minutes into the movie Like, <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> um, That's, like, perfect for me push sufficient But um, what I think is so fascinating Is that uh, the book It's, like, a 45-page short story And I'm like As an act of adaptation That is, most, like, that is fascinating to me that is so. it's like when they made
1: three two movies out of uh out of the hobbit which is the shortest of the the lord of the rings like books and it's like it's good this time (laughs) yeah uh
0: yeah i i'm i'm fascinated by the script i'm fascinated by the film as a whole i think it is a really interesting film that you know has really stuck with me since i first saw it and um uh, I do think it's more, of uh, actually, no, I'm not even going to say that. I, I think it is just, it is a very, very good screenplay. The fact that this movie has resonated with the Academy enough to show up in best picture. We love and see And best it. director. It's, it's fascinating. My, my parents are trying to watch all the best picture nominees, oh. um, except for Dune because they were like, it looks stupid. Um, but, um, I don't know, but I'll, also they would hate Dune. So I told them, so <laughs> but, um, like they're going to watch drive my car because on HBO and I'm just kind of like, that's very, very cool. Like I think like truly, I don't know if they'll like it, but I am just thrilled to see this movie having this moment. Cause I think it's really special.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, I'd love that you can tell the difference between our parents because your parents love tick, tick, boom. And mine, I told mine not to watch it. And they tried and hated five minutes. Any anyway, <laughs> the first five minutes anyway, <laughs> and my parents would love dude and yours, yours, they would hate it. Um, <laughs> Wow. This is why we work together so well. Um, Drive my mm-hmm. car is great. I, you know, it's that's fascinating to think that like literally a short story became a three-hour film about like ten different things, <laughs> and it it works. I think it's really compelling. I I could have sat with it for a long time. I I do think the the last the literally the last scene is unnecessary because it puts too fine a point on things, and it's like a coda we don't need. Um, but uh, yeah. Otherwise uh i a great a great movie um glad to see it here the movie's great it it should be nominated for a million things and it is great you know um probably not my pick um lost daughter would be my pick i do think it's probably going to be coda or power of the dog depending on which becomes the sort of uh front runner sweeper of the whole thing uh what are your thoughts
0: uh we still have to talk about dune
1: oh shit dune yeah John Spates and Denis Villeneuve. Um, I guess I'll talk about Dune. I, for, I forgot we had an, we've talked about Dune so much in this recording session. That yes. I forgot we didn't talk about. It. Yeah, Dune. Um, not not a not a book I've read. Um, and honestly, uh, happy that this film gave me enough of that lore to make me feel like I don't have to. Because Dune is supposed to be quite complex and there's like a fucking million books and I don't do ongoing series that's like a part of my brand because to me an ongoing series – or not, it's not an ongoing series. It's just – at this point it's just a long fucking series. Um, a long series like that is like a relationship to me and I'm single for a reason. So I don't want to get involved with, with Dune and I am perfectly happy to watch Dune this way. Dune is only the first part of the novel apparently, the first like half of it I guess. Um And, you know, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't think I understood a damn thing that was going on in that movie, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) But I also don't think it matters. Uh, I think the script gives you exactly what you need to know, you know what I mean? Like, here, who's related to who, uh, Timmy Chalamet is gonna be uh, the the Messiah or whatever, Zendaya is around and will be important later. you know i think it's given you enough to that you need to know but i do think like oddly the narrative is the least compelling thing about it just because everything else is so interesting um yeah it's fine i don't care about it you know it's like the we love that film but the writing is the like the, the thing i care about least realistically it could have just been a sound bath with like beautiful people and stuff, which it kind of was. Cause my 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 brain was so numbed by the beauty that I I was like, I know I'm not getting some stuff, but I actually don't really care. <laughs> what do you think?
0: No yeah, I um I hate reading fantasy shit. It is just, I, I don't like na- yeah. like it's too many names. I can't do yeah. it. I, I had to give up on Game of Thrones. It is too hard to follow. But um but like you know my friends at one point were like during quarantine they were like should we all read dune and i was fully prepared to just do the Wikipedia and fake it till i make it basically but (laughs) um yeah i i don't think this is a work of like you know where the screenplay is key i think the nomination feels kind of random to be honest and um like did not even come close to making my personal lineup but you know like sure it's it's fine work i I'm bummed Denis Vill- Villeneuve did not show up in director, so I'm happy he got a nomination for this film. But, um, but yeah, I just, like, you know, there's two uh, snubs I can think of that I think are just so glaring, and um, it's a bummer, I think, that uh, this one took its spot, to be honest. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, um like I said, I already said what I thought was going to happen. What do you think is going to happen?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of thinking Coda is peaking at just the right moment mm-hmm. to uh, to take it, uh, especially with Sean Heater not getting a director nomination. So yeah. I'm going with that. Uh,
1: okay, let's talk about our alternates. I'm sure we have
0: quite a few, actually. Um, uh, Go first. I mean, the one that is most infuriating to me is uh, West Side Story not showing up. Because, what the, like... Uh,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It is truly like a work of adaptation in the sense that it is like every time I see someone talking about how it's like just doing what the 1961 did version did again I'm like you are missing the point and it is uh you know I I think such a smart screenplay in the way it is constantly analyzing itself in comparison to the original and um Modernizing its You know Modernizing its themes In a way that's really Really smart And um, I just think It's it's a really Brilliant I mean, You're having Tony Kushner One of the most Celebrated Playwrights Like Alive I would yeah. say um, And He truly I think Did something special With this And um, Not getting nominated I just think Is so It, it honestly Made me so angry It was like it's maybe the the would have been the most deserving nomination of the of the category at large and to be snubbed very very upsetting.
1: <laughs> yeah, what what the hell man? I mean, it it's I literally if you think they're if it's doing the same thing as the 61 version or the original play, then you haven't seen either one of those things. <laughs> You're just talking out of your ass. You just want to like tweet, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um because it is so updated. I mean, I I can I went into that movie Listen back to the episodes, people. I wanted that movie ready to not be impressed by it because it just didn't seem necessary to remake this film because it didn't feel like they were going to bring the perspective that they did. And instead, Spielberg and Kushner bring a modern perspective to this 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 older story that made it feel so fresh and so timeless already. It just is so it's such it's absolutely the best um, adapting of a screenplay or like adapting of the year period it's so good like it's if it were in the category it would be so far and away the best one it's ridiculous it's so good it's like infuriating that a the movie is being ignored in a weird way i mean ignored i mean it's been nominated for a bunch of things but it's not does not have the affection it should and especially that screenplay the screenplay is the whole damn thing i don't get it um that was one of mine um another one i would have picked would be um my boy Ben Affleck Matt Damon and Nicole Hall of Center for the last duel which we we have mentioned many times on this podcast um, but again baffled <laughs> that people didn't connect with it because it and i, I get i get the reason i didn't want to see it either because the this the damn trailer looked so self important and like it just felt like do we do we need this? Do we need this like, you know, medieval Me Too shit? And then it is I genuinely think the the piece of art written since Me Too has become this big cultural movement and we're reframing everything. That is the most impressive work that is actually contended directly with those issues. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. shocking to me that that's true because a lot of people have tried. And, I mean, I'm excluding certain TV shows, I think. But, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I think a lot of TV has done it very well. But in terms of movies, this is the first one that really fucking digs in and actually is good. And I, like, it's just so, that script is so good and the story is so good. That movie is so good. I don't, I wish it had just gotten the attention that it would have 10 years ago kind of thing. It's like, it's such a uh, out of the park, you know, home run of an Oscar movie 10 years ago. And now it just like gets buried and nobody saw it. And a lot of people will probably forget it unless you're like a film person.
0: Yeah. It's, um, one of the most underappreciated films of 2021, (laughs) just like fully full stop. Um, my, I have another one and another one that I, again, I mentioned this one before. I never thought it had too much of a chance at doing an, at getting in the Oscars, but this nomination, uh, this snub hurt, but um, uh, Zola uh, by uh, Janice LeBravo yeah, and Romeo Harris. I mean, like, I remember where I was when the Zola film was happening. <laughs> and when the film was announced, which it was announced back when I was in college, because I remember specifically texting my friends about it, even though I don't believe Uh, Janicia Bravo and Jeremy O'Harris were attached to it then Mm -hmm. but um, uh, I remember thinking okay like I know what this movie is going to be it was going to be like a fun movie to watch with my friends um, similar to how we all were like fascinated by the thread Uh, what the actual script is is an incredible work of adaptation because it is like commenting on the internet and going viral and uh, you know, like what it means to follow stories and um mm-hmm. even know somebody in the social media age, and it is such a smart script um it is funny in the way that I expected it to be, but also it is uh suspenseful and scary at points and um uh, just really, really well done and um you know again, I'm not shocked that Scott not. this is a very outside of the Academy's real house sort of thing but um it's one of the best groups of the year i think quite easily and um it's a shame A24 didn't try to put some muscle behind it i think for um some nominations because it's it would have been uh worthy
1: yeah yeah it's realistically the maybe the actual hardest task of adapting yeah. <laughs> the of the year because a lot of these are working from actual like things that exist like a a script that already exists or uh, a very detailed novel. This is literally a fucking Twitter thread. One that is only now archived. (laughs) You can't even like find the original. Um, And it, you're right. It does so much. Like you could easily just uh, do the thread and like do one episodic moment after another. And it doesn't, it does so much more than that. And it's so layered in what it's saying too. It's a brilliant film. Um, how many more do you have? I just want to uh think about. I have one
0: more.
1: Okay. Um I'll do my my last one then. Um uh I, there's a I mean on some level I might have done um like if I were being serious <laughs> I would say I would say tick tick boom. But I'm not. I'm going to be indulgent. Um which isn't a surprise to anyone on who's ever listened to one of these podcasts before when is when have I ever stopped myself? Um but you should you should admire me for the fact that I have not actually mentioned this movie in a real way up until this moment. Um, and it's I'm terrified for this going. To be. You, no, it's not too bad. It's Christina Mangaret for the Hating Game because <laughs> I saw that movie uh, before I read the book, and then I read the book, and I think the book is bad. I think the last hundred pages of that book ruined the book for me, and they rewrite the ending essentially, the, the meaning of the ending basically, and and the reason we get to it. In that movie and I tell you if they had left it the same I would not that that movie would not have become my entire life loose <laughs> Haley Fest would not have happened and we'd all be different living different lives maybe happier lives some of you me not not so much I love my pretty little hours I miss my girls I haven't watched them in days but truly I, I read that book and thought oh boy this is not good because the final hundred pages of that book um. Uh, essentially re like (laughs) it are not romantic to me because the it's it's essential i'm not going to spoil the book necessarily but um in everything in the in the movie everything that's revealed is sort of romantic about um how long this guy has been sort of obsessed with her and in the book it's really revealed essentially as this um long months-long manipulation (laughs) that i did not enjoy (laughs) and made me and there's like even a a part of there's like a a major instance of gaslighting in it um that it becomes totally normal and fine in the movie and like truly it, i'm not kidding if that if that book had been translated exactly to the screen i would have hated it and i know that a lot of booktuber and like book talk people don't like the movie because it doesn't because it changes all that stuff but i tell you ya, y'all are fucking nuts that book sucks <laughs> At the end of the day, it's really sexy for 200 pages and then botches it at the last minute. It's a car crash for about 100 pages at the end. And the only reason that the Hating Game movie has become literally, like, shifted my entire focus is
0: because of the screenplay. (laughs) Um, My other one is um, a movie that I think uh, just, like... One of the funniest movies of 2021, but also like one of the most terrifying, mm. and uh, that's Shiva Baby, which is oh um, god, yeah, yeah, written by um, Emma Seligman, uh, adapting her own um, short film, and just I love this movie so much. I, I yeah. think about it all the time. Like in a strange way, as like I think it makes a great double feature with the worst person in the world of just like very <laughs> clever snapshots of like millennials basically, yeah. and yeah. um. You know it is I describe it to my um one of my friends as like uh, mother it, mother, but like a comedy <laughs> and like <laughs> like i I just think it is it is so funny, and um there are some moments in it that I just I think back to, and it makes me cringe, but in like a way where I'm like I should watch it again, and um if you have not taken the ride and watched uh should have baby uh it's only like 70 something minutes it is so yeah. worth it i think it is uh really really clever and um you know i would i i think i'm excited to see what this um writer director does next even if uh you know hopefully it'll get her a little more closer to academy um nominations basically yeah.
1: no that's a great one i mean that what a wonderful script that is it's the most intense 70 minutes of your week which is saying something in this yeah. <laughs> in this <climate. laughs> um all right that is the screenplay categories um you can find me uh writing for the pop break um dot com if you didn't know that already and uh uh i met marissa carpego on every social media platform matt what about you
0: uh you can find me on twitter at matt matthew one and letterboxd at matt Two.
1: there you go all right thanks for listening everybody